1: You didn't have to see uh, Mike or, or, or his brother, Tim, or, or Karen, the mom, or, or yeah. Tom, the dad, in those meetings that I had to have with them. And I had to tell them uh, what happened to their little girl. And I had to explain to them what the evidence uh, is showing and sit through those meetings. You know, those meetings will remind you this is not a joke. This is not playtime.
2: That, of course, is the unmistakable voice of Mr. Ken Kratz, the villain of the Netflix documentary series Making a Murderer. He's the villain because he's the man who convinced a jury that Stephen Avery raped and murdered Teresa Hallback in Manitowoc County in 2005. Avery was in the midst of suing the county at the time because he'd been wrongfully convicted for a rape and attempted murder 20 years earlier, for which he'd spent 18 years in prison. It's an incredible story without a doubt, but is the documentary a reasonable account of it, or is it an unhelpfully biased piece of entertainment that left out important details? Well, have a listen to my conversation with Ken Kratz, and then hit me up on Facebook and let me know what you think. I'm Michelle Laurie, and this is the Nitty Gritty Committee, stories about the guts and the glory of life.
1: I'm Michelle. How are you? Oh, good.
2: Thanks. I'm a bit creeped out to hear your voice, to be honest. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's okay. Don't 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 worry. It, it's nice to hear your voice, though. We'll talk about talk about that.
2: Do you? As I was watching Making a Murderer, I had a moment. I think I even tweeted it that that's something about your voice. And then someone tweeted back to me, "It's the voice that haunts my nightmares."
1: Because <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> we don't want nightmares. We don't want the voice haunting.
2: Well, because certainly from the perspective of the film and the of the documentary series and and the, the ladies who made it, um, you're you're the villain of the piece. You're the person who is deliberately subverting justice to put an innocent man right. in prison.
1: Right, and the, and the you know the the documentary's done done very well. It casts me and a couple other uh, police officers as Uh, As as the villain, but I hope uh, when people understand that only one side of the story was told and when we're able to get out the other, uh, the other side, they'll realize exactly what the jury realized and that this was not uh, a product of uh, planting evidence or some kind of a conspiracy, but uh, the right person was convicted for the murder.
2: What is that information that you want to get out there? Because um, I've certainly heard the, the, the filmmakers interviewed and they stand by the documentary series. They say that they presented the evidence as, as they saw it. And these are two cool women from New York who've gone and lived in the community uh, for a year or two to try and really immerse themselves in the story. So they're standing by their version of events. What do you think they missed?
1: Well, what happened uh, Michelle is they um they were embedded with the defense team they were allowed unparalleled access to uh, defense strategy sessions and everything with uh, with the defense and so understanding that they uh, are uh, with the defense this this documentary is really made by and for the defense Team, and when you uh, realize that uh, editing um, has occurred, and they've—what uh, uh, I've said—is uh, spoon-fed uh, the audience uh, uh, selective uh, pieces of evidence, and not really represented what the uh, the state did to dispel the uh, the planting defense. Then it really isn't uh, fair to call it a documentary. Some of the examples that. Uh, our, are clearest of this are uh, the victim's uh, phone and a camera were found about 20 feet from Stephen Avery's um, home. He burned them in a a burn barrel that was on his his property. Making a murderer never tells you that. They never tell you that uh, the contents of her purse are, are are all found there, and they don't tell you that because it's not consistent with the planting defense. You can't plant burned up electronics at least the way that uh, that they were found it had to be burned right where they were found in that burn barrel well at and the same so time though
2: somebody somebody burned those materials um, absolutely right what and evidence they, is right, there to like suggest that it was
1: him for four hours and and so somebody burned them for four hours twenty feet from his door now he was seen by two different witnesses uh, burning uh, in that burn barrel, the the afternoon that Teresa was killed, and so uh, it isn't that uh, that that alone uh, means uh, you know guilt or, or or not guilt, but what we're talking about is the decision by the filmmakers to intentionally leave that information out. It's relevant. It's important information, as is DNA that's found on uh, the victim's uh, hood latch underneath uh, her car. Uh, they completely leave out uh, that information. They don't tell you that uh, phone calls were made uh, luring the uh, the victim to um, to that particular uh, location or that ballistics testing shows that the bullet that was found in the garage matched the rifle fired by Stephen Avery and it was fired from that gun before the 5th of uh of november of 2005 when the officers had to uh, seize that weapon so uh, all of those things michelle are are just inconsistent with their narrative and so they don't include them they don't they don't put that stuff in you know this documentary would have been just as entertaining at least in my opinion If they would have put both sides of it in, but it doesn't fit uh, their conclusion that they want everybody to draw when they watch this. And that is that this man was framed or that a a miscarriage of justice has occurred. And so I've been doing my best since December 18th when this came out to remind people that you've only heard uh, one side of it. That There's this whole other side that uh, I've been trying to get some of the story out, but there's so much more to this story and and that probably leads us into my decision uh, to write a book and and we'll talk about that when, when you're ready for that.
2: I'm really glad that you're writing a book because this story is so strange that as a viewer I'm just trying to apply some common sense to it and I suppose that most viewers are. We're trying to figure out what's most likely to have happened because it is such a strange story for a man to be proven to have been imprisoned uh, when he he was innocent for 18 years and DNA evidence proved that he was not the rapist, that he was accused of being. And then he wins a judgment against the county as a result of that and and the police who put him away the first time are are called as witnesses and are accused of lying and certainly the judgment in his favour would suggest that the court accepted that they had lied in his first case These are the same, these are the same individuals who two years after he is freed are trying to imprison him again for this murder. So. When you just look at that list of of things, you go, okay. Well, common sense dictates that they are uh, that this is revenge and that they're trying to put him sure. away again. And yet, and if
1: and and if and if all that happened, Michelle, I suppose that's true. But there was no judgment. Uh, there was a lawsuit that they filed. That they claimed seemingly reclaimed that these officers had um, had been. Um, uh, you know, uh, intentionally imprisoning him. Uh, But at the time of the murder, uh, that case was still pending. It was still open. So there wasn't any revenge motive. There was no judgment that had been issued at that point. And so certainly some reputations
2: had been had been Seriously sullied by that stage. I,
1: I agree. Yes, absolutely. I I, I agree with that. However, um, the fact that their employer, that is the uh, if you're talking about the police, that mm-hmm. the the county of Manitowoc is being sued. Neither of these officers that they've identified as having planted evidence were uh, themselves being sued. They weren't going to lose a penny out of out of uh, out of the the process. And so, uh, the fact that that their boss or their or their employer is being Sued, uh, you've got to be able to um, uh, believe and reconcile that that would cause these police to find a, a, a 25-year-old photographer uh, and kill her and and yeah. and, uh, and and chop her up and burn her uh, and all of those things uh, just to make this guy uh, you know look look bad. That's a that's, well, that's a, the other argument, isn't
2: it? That is that's the other then the other side when we try to apply common sense to the other side Brian. is the fact that a woman went to that property to perform her job, which was to photograph a car that was going to be listed for sale and was never seen alive again. And, in fact, her remains were found in a burn pit on that property. So... Again, the common sense from that perspective says, "Well, then he must have killed her. What else could possibly well, just, have happened? Yeah, not just
1: on that, not just on that property, but 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 right behind his yeah. his, uh, his 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 garage, his his backyard, and so um, all of the evidence, at least that uh, which was uh, which was presented uh, in the in the Avery case, pointed to uh, to Stephen Avery having having been involved. My quarrel with the uh, with the filmmakers uh, was that. Um, that it's irresponsible to uh, to leave things out or to edit clips so that they take valuable uh, parts of uh, of the of the clip out or not to uh, present the uh, the state side you know i gave a closing argument in the case and and these two filmmakers sat through it Uh, the centerpiece or one of the centerpieces of my closing argument was the uh, the dna on the hood latch and so they didn't have to guess what it was that i was going to say or complain that i wouldn't give them an interview afterwards and not present it they knew what Evidence uh, was available that not only I uh, had available, but I told the jury about I told them here 's why this uh, planting defense is nonsense, and to suggest that you know this is the same evidence that the jury heard uh, you know, when the filmmakers uh, make that uh, suggestion to uh, to the audience when that's not uh, not nearly uh, the case uh, really is unfair so to get the opportunity now in writing this book, to set the matter straight, to tell uh, um, the public uh, the entire case of Stephen Avery, not just that which was omitted from the documentary, or not just that, which the judge didn't allow in evidence, but there's this whole a pile of information about Stephen Avery that's never before been talked about, never before been released, that when it is released, Michelle, you do read all the information and then you, you realize that we had so much more that wasn't even presented, I hope you, just as the jury did, will be convinced that this man's right where he belongs.
2: Well, certainly the DNA evidence is important because, I mean, to my memory, the filmmakers chose not to include the DNA under the hood latch at all, did they?
1: No, they never no. They never so, mentioned it, and because it right because it was such an important part of of my argument, it's really difficult to believe them now when they say, "Well, we we thought we put in the most important things, or or we cut uh, some evidence uh, out just for purposes of uh, of time and, and things." This is a ten-hour documentary; they had plenty of time to put uh, everything that we believed was uh, was important the and that bit's it. crucial,
2: and, isn't it? Because as a viewer, it, it was the DNA evidence uh inside the car and and the idea that that had been planted and they showed us their theory as to how that had been extracted by police officer and how and that was a very convincing argument so for them then to not go on to include well hang on there was also dna under the hood latch that can't have been planted there for these reasons uh that was a crucial piece to leave out
1: It was. And and here's what happens, uh, Michelle, and and I don't know that people uh, that people really understand that when a a narrative is being uh, told, when a story is is being told in a certain way, um, eventually uh, you're going to adopt or believe anyway uh, that you couldn't tell the story by leaving out the entire other side, that nobody would be that irresponsible to do that. It would be so easy to refute and 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 show the other side, but that's exactly what happened, Michelle. I'm not uh, yeah. I'm not overstating this at all. And and again, when when uh, when the book is uh, is finished, which should be sometime uh, around uh, uh, June of uh, of this year when it's released, um, uh, then everybody will not only be able uh, to look at the evidence that uh, was omitted, but all of these other things. You know, we've got this uh, uh, we've got the audio tapes and videotapes that are going to go with the book that people are going to be able to uh, access on wow. on the internet and dig into uh, into this thing and those internet sleuths you know that yes. love to do that kind of stuff which is really fascinating and it's a compelling story but we're going to give them that opportunity it's, with all of the information to be able to satisfy that craving
2: it's certainly a matter of public record now that that piece of crucial information was omitted from the documentary series so that's then opened the gates to this idea that there is lots of stuff that we weren't aware of when we all made up our minds, uh, we amateur sleuths. But I'm interested in what you're saying about um, things about Steve Avery coming out that hadn't come out before. That's particularly pertinent in our community here in Australia because we've had a number of high-profile, awful crimes committed in Australia in the past couple of years in particular and then we find out that they were committed by men who we believe should have been in jail. Why are violent rapists and, um, you know, out walking the streets to escalate their activities and and to, to murder women. Um, there's an idea in Australia that for the community to know about these things is subverting justice and, and you know, um, right. is an assault on people's privacy and all that kind of stuff. So you're saying now yeah. that you, you have information that you think the community should have known about Stephen Avery?
1: No, 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 not at all. I have information that I chose... Not to introduce into evidence, right. and so okay. uh, it is. It is that information which was just—it was just too prejudicial to put uh, to put in. But I'll tell you what, uh, Michelle. Uh, when the defense, when the filmmakers, and when now the general public is claiming that uh, our cops are, are crooked or that they're planting evidence, or that the prosecutor, uh, for goodness sakes, uh, as if I had something to do with <laughs> with the case, was uh, responsible for this man getting a miscarriage your justice. At that point, uh, there's an old saying that the gloves come off and yep. you you have to present uh, that evidence which uh, which hasn't been revealed before, which I intend to do and I, I suspect a lot of people are going to be very surprised by uh, just what kind of evidence uh, is available that shows that this man is uh, very, very dangerous indeed.
2: Well, interestingly, Kathleen Zellner, who is Stephen Avery's current lawyer, has come out recently to say that not only does she believe that she can prove uh, that there's reasonable doubt, about his guilt, but she believes she can prove his innocence. What do you That's make of fantastic.
1: that? I, I would love, uh, I would love to see that. You know, Kathleen Zellner is no; uh, she's very good at uh, at what she does, and and whether it's fortunately or unfortunately, she's um, she doesn't shy away from uh, from media attention and, and putting things on on Twitter and, and the like. And Which I, neither do you, I, in I, fairness, I, I disagree. Ken? Well, it's right. It's it, <laughs> it's. It, it, uh, Look, I, 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 so I said it may be good or it may be bad, Michelle. We'll have to reserve, <laughs> reserve ruling on that. I guess uh, who needs to be on the other side of that when you, when when you decide. But the, but but she's very very good at at what she does. She's a very good lawyer. She's gotten many people um, uh, exonerated that have been uh, have been wrongly convicted. I'll tell you what though, Michelle, if she has uh, something new, if she has the kind of evidence that it's going to be needed uh, to not only win this man a new trial, but to have him exonerated uh, for this case, it's going to have to be a bombshell. It's going to have to be dramatic. Uh, indeed, I haven't heard uh, of any such uh, of evidence. And I guess, I suppose, like the rest of the world, uh, together uh, together with my book, perhaps, we'll, uh, we'll wait for her what she's, uh, she's going to reveal.
2: In the process of writing the book, I mean... <sighs> How 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 is it how is it felt to go and track back through this trial? Is there part of you that wants to put it behind you, or are you are you quite happy to go through it again?
1: Excuse me, no. Um, in fact, I have uh, made every attempt not to write a book. That might sound a little a little funny, but for ten years now. I chose not to write a book and it was only when uh, the Netflix uh, docudrama came out and somebody had a step forward, somebody had to step up and say, you're not hearing the rest of the story. This is a misrepresentation. This isn't fair. The, uh, not only is the, conviction being challenged but really our entire justice system is is on trial here it's it's being indicted and I wasn't going to sit back and and stand for that so uh, I have uh, dug out all my old files and all my old uh, notes and the things that uh, that I kept that uh, was able to prove to two different juries uh, that uh, both Mr Avery and Mr Dassey were uh, responsible for this murder and much of that together with other Archived information is going to be uh, uh, used to complete the complete the book and uh, as I've mentioned I'm, I'm pretty confident that after reading it uh, you and uh, everybody else is going to uh, decide that uh, a miscarriage of justice just did not occur here.
2: I'm looking very forward to reading it. Did you get a big advance? Surely uh, any publisher worth their salt would have thought I want Ken Kratz's book on my label and I'll pay him for it.
1: I wish I was allowed to talk about that, but but I'm not. My uh, my my book agent would be very angry with me, and you know, you might not want to go against me in court. But I know you don't want to go against him, so that's the. I know I don't want to go against you. I just have to uh, I just have to smile and say uh, you know it 's uh it 's going to be it 's going to be good it 's of course going to have all that uh, information that that people want but like I said for the uh, true crime buffs that really want to dig into a case want the raw materials, want the forensic uh, reports and things like that. I'm going to do what I can to include all that on uh, on the internet, so all of that will uh, be accessed uh, from a code that you're going to be able to enter from from the book. So it's really Ooh. a really a, a tremendous uh, multimedia project that we're hoping to uh, to release by sometime around June.
2: I mean, it's so exciting and salacious. It's hard sometimes to remember that the the you are all real pe- people that we're that we're fascinated by, that Stephen Avery is in prison right now. His nephew, Brendan Dassey, is still in prison. And you have, in fact, received death threats over, over this case. Is that true?
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. Have. Uh, it isn't uh, even so much the death threats that um, that bother me. We've gotten over 4,000 uh, email messages, most of which uh, have been um, either uh, uh, critical, insulting, or uh, some of which of course have been, uh, have been threatening, but they don't just threaten me. They threaten other members of my staff or, or, or my family. You know, when I get, uh, when I get messages, uh, uh, having uh, people uh, suggesting that they want to rape my daughter and have me uh, have to watch it and, and, really horrific kinds of things that they want to to have happen you have to wonder are there any limits to to this cyber bullying that goes on when people want to express themselves that's that's fine if you don't like what I did that's okay if you want to make suggestions uh, that's okay too but from a case that's over 10 years old the prosecutor in the case to uh, try to either put him out of business or to try to uh, cause him harm or even to suggest bad things happen to his family goes well beyond the pale and I really hope that uh, in the future, at least sometime, that people do understand there are very real people on the other end of, of these things. And the Halbach family, you know, the victim's family, they've received uh, perhaps not threats, but they've had to contend mm-hmm. with the suggestion that the real killer is still out there or, or that uh, uh, Teresa's brother, Mike Halbach, is the real killer. and yeah. And all of these kind of things, and that's you know, it's, it's really hurtful. And I, I'm hoping that uh, as as much as people think that this is um, a game, or at least it's something that they're you know kind of allowed to do without limits, I, I wish they would reflect on it and understand that again, there's uh, some very real emotions and very real uh, consequences that uh, that come to the people that you're suggesting have uh, have committed these offenses. So I'm glad that uh, that we got to talk about that because it's a real a tr- tragic part of this, you know, this case has so much to uh, talk about from a way of uh, of the criminal justice system or, or some of the deficits or ways that we can improve it and I really think that uh, it, it's a tremendous example of uh, of media uh, giving us the chance to do that but it's really I think been wasted when uh, it's gotten to be so personal and 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 really in uh, a tragic way some some somehow that we've lost the uh, the focus of this and gotten into you know much mudslinging and those kind of things so it's 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 both good uh both good and bad i think eventually things will settle down and people will uh, look at this case uh, like any other uh, interesting murder case uh, uh throughout history but when you're i guess right in the middle of it and wrapped up around it it uh it may seem a, a little more acute than uh, than it would need to be
2: Teresa Hallbach's brother and also her ex-boyfriend are sort of the lightning rods for suspicion around other people and her family and stuff like that. Uh, and again, I can relate to it from an Australian's perspective because there's a very mm-hmm. famous case in Australia where a woman, Lindy Chamberlain, was actually imprisoned for murdering her baby who had been taken by a wild dog, by a dingo. But mm-hmm. the community turned on her because they felt as though in the first sort of media Moments that she wasn't reacting the way they thought she should react. People used to say, she right. didn't cry. I knew it when she wasn't crying. Something was weird. Something was going on. And so, yeah, that went all the way to her ending up in prison for murdering her baby, and she was sure. eventually well, exonerated. We know,
1: right, every, everybody in the world knows uh, about that case and the tragedy right. that, uh, that 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 was. And I think it really shows... Um, when you get a Netflix account um, and you 're able to watch a movie that that really doesn 't mean that a law degree comes with it
2: yeah, absolutely. Okay, so
1: so what you get to do is enjoy it uh, and you get to watch it but uh, don 't don 't make the mistake that this is what was shown to the jury don 't make a mistake that this is everything that happened in the case, and it might be a good time to reserve. Judgments uh, on that until uh, well, first of all, uh, until you realize it's not your decision; it's a decision of the jury. Well, also, that people and the
2: people in this incredibly stressful situation, like the brother of a missing woman and the ex-boyfriend, still very friendly of a missing woman, you know, it's this assumption that we know how they should behave in that situation. And certainly, when I saw Teresa's brother and um, and her friend. Reacting, I, I was a bit taken aback by their reactions, and but then I think, well, I don't know how I would feel or how I would cope in those days when she's missing, and then I find and out you, she's murdered, and you, and
1: you also don't know how it was edited and how yes. you got to, you know, it's it's presented. Um, exactly what they wanted you to see and you've got to understand that because this is not a representation of what the family was acting like. You didn't have to see uh, Mike or, or or his brother Tim or, or Karen the mom or, or yeah. Tom the dad in those meetings that I had to have with them and I had to tell them uh, what happened to their little girl and I had to explain to them what the evidence uh, is showing and sit through those meetings. You know, those meetings will remain Mind you, this is not a joke. This is not playtime. These are the times that um, that you have these people that are are absolutely without hope and and, and that are crushed And to, uh, to somehow think that you can look at somebody's face because they smiled when you think that they uh, should have been frowning or because they uh, you know maybe have uh, have giggled in a nervous way when uh, when perhaps uh, it was uh, somewhat um, uh, uh, not a responsible thing at the time. Time to do. You don't know how they're dealing with, with stress or testimony or or all of those things. People do uh, react very, very differently, and I really, I really hope that people wouldn't base their decision on, on how people look. You know, we're told jurors are told. Um, you don't look at somebody and decide if they're they're guilty or not guilty. You hear all the time, well, you know, he looks like a rapist or he looks like a a child molester or or something like that, which is uh, totally unfair to the other side. We wouldn't get away with that. We wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to go in front of a jury and say, well, just look at him. He looks looks, uh, guilty, so why the other side thinks that it's appropriate with no evidence at all, with nothing but speculation or nothing but a, a documentary to point to, uh, to to make those suggestions. You know, it's a very serious, or should be, a very serious thing to claim that somebody committed murder, especially against a family member, and I think it's irresponsible to just do that because he happened to be shown in the movie.
2: The other side has a lot of celebrity clout behind it too, the other side from yours, I mean. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, Alec Baldwin, uh, lots of celebrities have come forward in support of Stephen Avery. Do you have any celebrities coming forward to give you their support?
1: Look, uh, they've got me, Michelle, and so that's, uh, that's fair enough that's, that's all they need you know what I've what I've uh, in all in, in, in all fairness what I've always said is uh, you can have all the celebrities you give me the facts yeah. and you let me present the facts and the evidence to a jury those are the people I have to convince I don't have to convince a, a movie audience about what happened I've already convinced the 12 people that I have to convince and I can live with that
2: Jodie Stakowski, very controversial figure most recently she was Stephen Avery's girlfriend uh, at the time of the Murder in the documentary series. Completely supportive of him, recently has come out and said, uh, "Actually, I was terrified of him. He he physically abused me, and he told me what to say, and I was too afraid of him not to say it." Were you in contact with her at any point during the trial, or were you aware? We were of-
1: yes, right. Both before, right before the trial, and and during, we were aware uh, of Jody's fear. of of Stephen Avery and so uh, the suggestion that just now she's coming forward with this is not true at all. We had that information um, back then, in fact, um, there are all of these uh, phone calls between Stephen and Jody where Stephen is extremely explosive, where he is uh, threatening uh, to uh, to Jody and really uh, uh, not a very nice guy. Certainly, the, the documentary is not going to show you that because they want to paint him as a, a pussycat, a mild-mannered uh, guy, uh, rather than uh, being sadistic and beating up his wives and his girlfriends and every other woman, basically, that he's ever uh, come and it's interesting with, isn't it because it uh, in the documentary it surprise it all
2: in the documentary they definitely do show the letters that he sent to his first wife from his first stint in prison mm-hmm. that were threatening and violent and they also made mention of uh, him setting a cat alight and in both of those cases uh it was sort of glossed over the cat incident was described right. as a silly mistake that a young man makes and right. the the uh tormenting and uh, threatening of the wife was described as a sort of broken-hearted dad in jail who's having right. his children kept from him.
1: Sure, let me talk about uh, both of those things. You know, the the description. Um, first of all, the movie makers allowed either Stephen or his lawyers. To talk about his prior record, when you notice who is on camera um, uh, talking about them, it isn't any police officer. It's not a victim. It's not uh, it's not some uh, prosecutor. Uh, it's uh, either Stephen or or the uh, or the lawyers. And so, uh, when Stephen soaked his cat in gasoline and oil and oh. and put it on a fire, um, you know that's that's bad enough. But when you realize, Michelle, that the cat jumped off the fire. And was running around the yard on fire. And what Stephen did then is he picked up the cat and put it back on the fire Ugh. so he could watch it suffer some more. Yep. This is the Stephen Avery that we're talking about. This is the Stephen Avery different than he claims. While well, I was hanging around with the wrong crowd or, or with the people, you know, yeah. this isn't hanging around with wrong crowds. This is sadistic. This is the precursor. Uh, to individuals uh, murdering uh, humans, uh, you you read about it all the time. The abuse of animals, uh, how that is uh, very diagnostic of of uh, of these uh, serial killers and other kind of of killers. So there isn't anything surprising about that. And to suggest uh, for his uh, his wife uh, all of the specific threats of of, uh, of what he's going to do to her, you know, she was scared. To death, the attorneys say it's all about Stephen's kids, and and you know Stephen wanted to see his kids, and well, what they don't tell you is that the judge ordered a restraining order. You're going to stay away from these kids because of the kind of person you are, because of how dangerous and violent you are. So Stephen Avery, you you don't you're not entitled uh, to be around these people because of your violent nature and the threats that you've made to kill and and and, and hurt people, and and not to, you know, not to give the attention that that deserves because certainly domestic uh, violence and everything else needs that uh, that kind of uh, attention and for uh, especially and and I don't uh, I, I don't mean to be sexist but for his female yeah. prior lawyer to say well uh you know it wasn't that big a deal or or remember when uh, he ran that uh, that woman off saying well because uh, it's only because she was a, a a relative and and they minimized what uh, what she did to provoke him, you know, are, are you kidding me, Michelle? I mean, nobody would be able to get away with, uh, with that kind of victim blaming after the fact, but because they put it into a movie uh, somehow it's, uh, it's accepted. It's uh, irresponsible. It is absolutely uh, inappropriate to talk about um, uh, victims of domestic violence in in that way. And I think it was deplorable.
2: Yeah, certainly Stephen's son, Stephen Avery Jr. has spoken in the last uh, day or two about his, Sad belief that his dad did murder Teresa. Uh, what's her last name? Halliback. Uh How do I say Teresa's last name? Hallbach. Hallbach. That's right. Yeah, So Holbach. he's uh, come forward and said that he sadly does believe that his dad is guilty of the murder of Teresa Hallbach. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, this is the child. What that- a sad. You
1: know what is it What a sad thing for yeah. a kid to have to say. And and you know I I, I don't mean to. Uh, to be an apologist uh, 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 at all for uh, uh, for the Avery family, but um, you know how horrible for for the media to be uh, really hounding these people. you know what you don 't see at the at the trial. The very first thing I said to the media after the trial was over is that there 's two families here. That have really suffered a loss. It isn't just the Hallbach, but it's the Avery family as well. And of course, they didn't want to, uh, to give me any kind of humanity. But I asked, I asked them to please remember that, and, and please, which the which the uh, the the, the we we're, were certainly aware of. You know, one of the stories that will be in the book after the after the verdict uh, was read. When I met with the Hallbach and about fifty supporters, uh, we prayed. We went into a, a conference room. And we prayed but we prayed for the Averys. We prayed for the, the pain uh, and all of the uh, disappointments and all of the things that they were going through as well. And I, I hope that it's those kind of stories that people understand just how good uh, this family was and, and just how much we tried to and not only do the right thing but to put things in in perspective and to realize that two families were very very hurt um, by this really tragic event.
2: Well one well, a couple of members members of the Avery family were you know um were treated very What's the word I'm looking for? Sorry, I'm tired. I've been up for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A couple of the members of the Avery family came into sharp focus in the documentary series um, in a very sympathetic way. One, of course, is Stephen's mum, but also his sister, who is the mother of Stephen's co-accused, Brendan Dassey. Now, this woman we see grapple with the idea that her son could have been involved, that her brother could have involved her son, then she's then her son turns to her and says no actually i i didn't see anything i wasn't involved i just said that and and for much of the process it seems like she's just trying to get out of her own son was, was is he guilty or not is he involved in this or not and this kid has a low iq and and we we're really baffled as to what his involvement really is but certainly he's been in jail for 16 years what do you think about it
1: Well, you shouldn't be baffled at all because when you watch the entire three and a half hours of his confession, um, you will realize that the things that he says and the way he says them could only be said by somebody who was involved uh, in the rape, in the murder, and in the dismemberment of of this girl. And so we're back to the editing and choosing what it is that, uh, that you're going to watch. You know, the filmmakers don't show you all of the times when the officer's intentionally suggested things that they know didn't happen. And they do that as kind of a control. And what Brendan then does is he re- rejects that. He says, look, that didn't happen. Right. It didn't happen that way. So when it doesn't happen, Brendan's able to stand up to them, and he's able to say that's not the way it happened. But uh, when when the officers are... Asking for the truth, and when Brendan does finally have to admit some really, uh, some really personal and some really unattractive behaviors, um, you know he's reluctant to do that, but he should be reluctant to do that. These are serious allegations. These are serious behaviors uh, from this young man. He told his mom on several occasions that uh, he was involved. He might have uh, said, "I only did some of it," or or things like that. But you know what? Um, if you're there and if you're helping uh, and and you did some of those things, later you can't say, well, by the way, I made the whole thing up. You know what I mean? There's no reason with your mother, especially to feel intimidated or or to feel that uh, that you're being coerced in, into saying things. And so when you kind of put um, common sense uh, back uh, involved in, uh, in the equation, uh, it's pretty obvious that this young man uh, was involved. The real tragedy, though, Michelle, about, uh, about Brendan is not so much what he was involved in, uh, but the fact that it was his own family that had talked him out of taking the plea deal, the, the plea bargain. Uh, he could have been out in, in 15 years. In fact, seven years from now, he could have been released, but it was his family, not his lawyers, his family that told him, uh, don't take the plea deal, Brendan, because it's going to hurt Stephen's case. Just think of that. think of how yeah. how you're being sacrificed for somebody else's case. you know it's uh, It's no wonder that now he's sitting in prison thinking, well, tell me again uh, how that benefited me. Tell me again why I shouldn't have uh, gotten a life and been able to, uh, uh, to 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 get out in a relatively short period of time because it was going to help my uncle's case. That's such a real tragedy and disservice to do for a young man, especially one that's relying on on those family members for for good, sound advice, and you'd hope that those family members would be thinking of his interests and not not either their own interests or the interests of, of, uh, of the uncle who's uh, sitting in, in prison. My book will uh, go into much of that, much detail about the efforts made by the family members to talk him out of uh, that plea bargain and, and how it was that uh, it was the family members, I think, uh, which caused this real tragedy and that's this man uh, really this young man uh, having to spend the rest of his life in prison.
2: Ken Kratz there discussing the case of Stephen Avery. I, I don't know about you but I found him um, much more pleasant than I expected to from watching the series. I was totally sucked into his villainhood in the series but um, I enjoyed our conversation and I, I plan to catch up with him again when his book is released. And I'm looking very forward to reading the book. Don't forget to hit me up on Facebook if you'd like to suggest other guests perhaps or tell me your thoughts about the Avery case, about the Kratz conversation or anything else. I'm Michelle Laurie. Thanks so much for downloading.
1: Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's the weekly
0: podcast with what everyone's talking about. From politics, he's probably the smartest
2: politician. Get
0: on with it, Malcolm.
2: To pop culture, Amy Schumer and me. This is what they'd probably refer to as the walk of shame, where you've just really cocked that one up. And everything in between. We've got the questions on Ramadan, Ramadan,
1: dum, gadig, dum. Please explain.
2: It's like listening in on a conversation with your friends when we were trying to have sex and we looked over and he was standing up waving his sock at us. <laughs> You're smart friends. The thing about politics is it can be played very easily. They're what politicians will call announceables, make things
1: look really good. You're silly friends. This is the most ridiculous conversation we've <laughs> ever had. You're occasionally nude friends. God, everyone, me is naked.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh! I feel free. You're crying right now. No, I'm <laughs>
2: laughing.
1: <laughs> Mama! <laughs>
2: It's out every Wednesday. Subscribe in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Hold up.